Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again with our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, thank you to all of our followers, both here in the United States and in different parts of the globe. Uh, still working on trying to find a way to connect the time zones, um, you know, with Australia and New Zealand on that side of the world, but I think we'll figure that out at some point. Um, and the sincere appreciation for people who've come uh, from very far away uh, to have me do uh, a neuropsych eval on them. Uh, it, it, uh, it's a great experience, and I appreciate your confidence um, in our program and what we're trying to do. Uh, there's so many different topics and so many different areas. Um, I know borderline is probably one of the most popular ones, uh, but one of the areas that I really like to focus on, but, you know, testing, I bring that up almost every episode and, and, and the importance of getting a full eval, I think prior to starting treatment, whether that's medication or psychotherapy. Uh, but today, I'm going to switch to a topic that's pretty um, specific to my, my position or profession as a neuropsychologist, and I'm going to talk about uh, what are called the neurocognitive disorders. Now, uh, this is where uh, I interact a lot with uh, psychiatric prescribers, neurologists, and primary care. And there's there's several um, different. I made notes for this one. I made uh, there's there's several different neurocognitive disorders, and they're really differentiated into um, mild neurocognitive disorder or major neurocognitive disorder. So mild cognitive disorder uh, it doesn't interfere totally. Uh, with the capacity for independent living. Um, whereas major neurocognitive disorder, and that, you know, that's where uh, you'll see much more impairment. And uh, the different types of neurocognitive disorders, and I, and I think people will use a lot of these terms interchangeably, you know, dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, there's all different uh, subtypes, um, Alzheimer's being one, uh, frontotemporal uh, degeneration, which is what I'm going to focus on today, uh, Lewy body dementia, um, traumatic brain injury, uh, substance medication induced uh, brain injury, uh, HIV infection, prion disease, Parkinson's, Huntingdon's, major neurocognitive disorder due to another uh, another medical condition and um, major neurocognitive disorder due to multiple etiologies. And you tend to see that more in individuals with multiple um, medical conditions. And uh, sometimes you see the list of meds some people are on. It's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, and they have multiple specialists. Uh, and sometimes... It's it's unspecified. Uh, not really sure where this is coming from. There's no clear etiology, and and that's a lot of times when I would not have a lot of background information. And you know, something is a little more clear. Like you know, if somebody, God forbid, was you know hit in the head, 
you know, with a baseball bat and beat in an alley, uh, that would definitely, you know, okay, we say we have a clear onset of where this, where this happened, but, um, it's difficult sometimes when, you know, you're working with, uh, individuals and, you know, you can put them through a battery, batteries of tests, um, is if you don't have uh, a baseline, and so sometimes we have to, a lot of times what I have to do is kind of extrapolate backwards. So say an individual doesn't have um, any siblings or was never married or their, their spouse is um, deceased. And, you know, when I've done this in, uh, when I've done, when I think I don't, I do still do them, but not I, is often, but uh, competency evals, um, you know, individuals in facilities, are they competent to make decisions? Um, and that, that, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, and I, I have many experiences where I would test been, you know, say in a rehab facility and, um, somebody may have come in for something as simple as a urinary tract infection, uh, which is incredibly common uh, in individuals in nursing homes. And a lot of times you'll see psychosis associated with it, but it's usually alleviated with um, antibiotic treatment. But uh, it was it, it was it was tough because I would have a conversation with people, review their chart, and then I'd be sitting at the nurse's station writing neuropsych evals and basically, you know, writing and, and taking this individual's rights away. Um, and so that, that I, I never took that lightly. And uh, I think I was happier in the cases where uh, I didn't. And, and the person would be, able, would be able to go home with her or move maybe to assisted living. Um, but, but to take someone's rights away um, was, it, it, at least for me, was a very emotional experience. So um, I'm going to talk, focus on, um, you know, whether it's major or mild is not really relevant, uh, but the frontal temporal neurocognitive disorder. So this is an interesting one because um, I think I told in one of the episodes I mentioned the story of Phineas Gage. And Phineas Gage, I don't remember, might have been the 1800s or early 1900s, was a railroad railroad worker uh, who was laying something down on the tracks. And he, you know, prior to this, the event that happened, he was a church-going person, family man, um, you know, active member of the social community. Um, but the you know, railroad tie, uh, I think it was an explosion, uh, went through his, under his uh, chin, through the skull, through the brain, and he actually survived. And they were able to extract uh, the spear. And uh, if you ever, if you're in Massachusetts or you ever come out here and are interested in this stuff, uh, one of the museums at Harvard um, has his skull with the actual spear. And that was really the beginning, um, really the beginnings, I think, of uh, neuropsychology. So with, with, with this, with, with the frontal temporal um, neurocognitive and and the frontal lobe is crucial it's really for a vast majority of psychiatric conditions it's really 
you know, the, the prefrontal cortex, the orbital prefrontal cortex, uh, is considered by many that that's the seat of wisdom. That is, that is where the majority of psychiatric conditions um, originate uh, versus the back part of our brain, where we don't just call the you know the reptilian brain, uh, but the, but the you know, the prefrontal cortex is really really what distinguishes us from all of their species. So when you have the neurocognitive disorder with the, the frontal temporal type, uh, you're going to see behavioral variations. And they could range from uh, behavioral disinhibition. Um, so be, behavioral disinhibition is... Um, just complete disregard for what somebody does, what somebody says, um, how they act, whether it's appropriate or inappropriate, um, apathy uh, or inertia, uh, loss of sympathy or empathy, um, perseverative stereotypes or compulsive ritualistic behaviors and, and hyper-orality and, and dietary changes, and also a prominent decline in social cognition and executive abilities. And, that, and you know, so back to Phineas Gage, he, after they extracted the, the, the railroad tie, uh, he became belligerent and swearing and, and uh, uh substance user so it, i mean it, it really changed uh so i guess it's linked to personality it really changed the entire constitution of of you know who he is or who he was there's also variations in in language uh like a decline in language ability in the form of speech production uh you see word finding problems object naming uh grammar uh word comprehension and and i and i've diagnosed this disorder um these are not as common, uh, but they definitely do exist. And um, this is something that's you know different than like Alzheimer's or Huntington's or Parkinson's. That's more progressive in nature. But this this can have uh, a various insidious onset. Um, but but the, but the the neurocognitive the, the frontal temporal neurocognitive disorder really comprises uh, it's a number of of, of syndrome. Uh, variables um, but it's a really a progressive developmental a progressive development of like behavioral and personality changes and language impairment so uh, the person is really not is, is almost a complete polar opposite of who who they once were um, uh, insight is generally impaired and um, this this often delays a lot of times medical consultation, and again, you don't have to have something as um, what's the word something as blatant as having a railroad tie go you know through your brain. But when, when insight is impaired and a person doesn't think there's anything wrong with them, there's often a resistance um, to seek medical attention, and I think you see this across a lot of. A lot of the neurocognitive disorders, especially in the early stages, uh, as a, as when an individual begins to um, start to realize themselves that something is askew and that uh, they may start to 
avoid activities, uh, avoid situations in which the deficits that they are experiencing may be exposed. So there's a, I think there's pride and, and, and shame associated with it, understandably so. Um, so the, the the first referral, a lot of these situations, is often to a psychiatrist. The, you know, the person, you know, if they have apathy, they may present as 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 depressed, and and you know, if they they lack any kind of initiative, um, they 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 start to develop changes in, in, in like social style, um, religious and political beliefs, the the repetitive movements, hoarding, eating changes. Um, uh, they can even lose like bowel control. I mean, the brain controls everything. Um, but cognitive de- decline is is less prominent, and actually, like doing like formal neuropsych evals uh, can actually show very few changes, if any, in the early stages. So that's the interesting thing about this specific type of neurocognitive disorders. You know, person, someone, it's usually like family report, like something's off with dad or grandpa or, you know, grandma. So, so something just is off. And I give them the whole neuropsych battery. And you may see, and again, when we, when we test, we, 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 we test against uh, a normative sample, and we test for neuropsych, we use uh, the sample of individuals who've been thoroughly screened for the, the, presence, the presence or lack thereof of any type of psychiatric condition or any type of um, neurocognitive condition such as ADHD. So you kind of normally against a more sort of like... like um, pure sample and as i was saying when you don't have that you know collateral information and you almost have to kind of extrapolate and build a picture backward and say okay this person has two master's degrees uh they held the job as a vice president of a bank uh they lived in this town which you know may be of a high socioeconomic status and, and, and you kind of build that picture backwards and then you look at their current performance on various assessments and it's like wait a minute this is this isn't the same person so sometimes when we don't have that background stuff uh we have to build the case um in backwards but i guess interestingly it's it's, it's the initial changes in personality and i think that's why the referral is usually to like psychiatry uh or a psychiatric nurse practitioner or even to uh, a psychotherapist, um, because of the because of the behavioral changes and the and the, and the emotional changes, uh, but there are deficits in executive function, like such poor performance on tests of of mental flexibility, abstract reasoning, um, response inhibition. Um, and those those tend to be much more impaired because that's the I think the, the brain acting more. Um, but learning and memory uh, tend to be spared somewhat, and perceptual motor abilities are almost always preserved in the early stages uh, because it hasn't progressed, and um, and that's why is I think this is a really interesting disorder because it doesn't have these other uh, um, you know whereas Alzheimer's is more of a stepwise progression. This you know uh, so sometimes we use. Um, uh, an auditory learning auditory learning test where I'll say a list of 12 words and you know over four trials and you generally at least for myself um, you know you're, you're hoping that you know the person may say get four words 
right, and then the second trial, they may get six, may get eight, and then hopefully, ideally get, get 12 prior to release by the fourth trial, and then maybe let 15 minutes pass and, and, and do it again. Um, sometimes what you'll see, depending on the stage of decline, uh, patients do this, so do uh, a lot of individuals who have uh, sustained uh, you know, long history of alcohol dependence will 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 do what's called confabulation. Um, they'll will sub they'll will kind of fill in the blanks. Like, oh, okay, I know that I'm missing something here, so I'm gonna kind of fill in the story or the I'm giving the twelve words, and it's like I don't know what you heard, but I didn't say any of those things. Um, but again, I think you know they're they're you know we're inside may be diminished i still think you know when when it starts to get to a point where the person is kind of like hey i'm something's a little off um and that and again that could be a whole range of emotional spontaneity including anger aggression uh paranoia delusional thinking uh depression uh severe anxiety uh suicidal ideations um so when, when individuals with 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 the language variant uh of the frontal temporal disorder um they they present with like what's called uh, uh progressive aphasia with like a g- gradual onset um and it's you know aphasia is basically and you know, you, you lose your ability to communicate um and then there's also, you know, other things in terms of um, the these all of these all of these neurocognitive disorders are progressive in etiology. And again, we work closely with primary care neurology to you, you know you'll you'll see these on brain imaging studies. Um, you'll you'll see you'll see decline. Um, so I, I I usually recommend you know the earlier you start to notice uh, some change in your functioning or an individual in your loved you know a loved one's functioning to at least get out. I, I would say you know. I would see. Would definitely recommend getting a neuropsych eval to establish a baseline and then reevaluate periodically. So um, I, I think you know there's a principle called neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to grow new neuronal connections. I usually recommend 45 minutes to an hour a day of cognitive stimulation exercises. I, I brought this up in other episodes before, and you know it's it's like going to the it's like going to the mental gym. Uh, you're creating uh, increasing oxygenation and blood flow, and trying to enhance. And um, you know, once this once this process starts, and the reality is is this is this is a train that is is not the, you're going to run out of track at some point. But the whole goal is, can you maybe slow this process down? Um, what else I right here? Um, so I mean it's it's um it's it's definitely uh worthwhile to pay attention to um the behavioral changes and the emotional changes first and um again individuals uh 
none of us like to expose our weaknesses, our our deficits, our areas of that we're not we're not good at. But you know, individuals can only hide it for for so long. Um, but it's it's really important, uh, like I said, to get to get that baseline and get that referral to a neuropsychologist as quickly as possible to have some foundation and then track that progress over time <coughs> with the goal, like I said, of potentially um, slowing it down. But, um, you know, eventually it will get to a, a point where, where language is diminished, um, mobility is diminished, um, cognitive abilities are, are, are diminished. And I think in, in, in my experience, in dealing with the neurocognitive disorders, um, I, I'm again. This is my perception. I think initially it's very hard on the individual. Uh, later on, as the disease process progresses, it becomes much harder on family and loved ones. Um, you know, I think it's tough for anybody to walk into a room and me and your parent doesn't remember you or uh you you know you you saw this person and, and, and you know you, you had them on a pedestal at this point in their life and now you see them uh, as as someone who's frail and who who's declining so it 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 um the, the these are these are tough disorders uh, you know keeping our brain as healthy as possible and as active as possible uh, that's one of the most important things especially for an elderly population sitting and doing nothing is not good for any of us especially for any individuals who are struggling with problems in memory uh, so you know playing uh, you know remember the, the, the matching game where you turn the tiles upside down and then you got to fit me turn over one and turn over the other and you hope you, you try to remember like, like stuff like that you know playing the game simon is another good one uh red blue red blue green red blue green uh yellow those are those are good things uh, if you have access to a nintendo wii those are great in being able because you're using so many different sensory modalities um, you know, so it's all about, you know, cognitive stimulation, but, you know, with this specific disorder and even the other neurodegenerative disorders, um, there are, you know, behavioral, uh, variations, but, you know, if you, you know, you say you have, when you have these other things like, you know, behavioral disinhibition and the loss of sympathy or empathy, um, that can be, that can be tough, uh, to kind of almost feel like people said, I feel like I, I lost the person that, you know, was, was my best friend or I lost the person that I, I loved for, for 20, 30 years. So it's, it, it, it is hard on individuals, but you will see the deficits, even though memory is oftentimes spared initially, uh, um, spared initially, it will, it will manifest as, as declining and you, you will see the deficit in, um, you know, um, executive functioning skills and abstraction and response in inhibition. And um, these are real. These are real disorders. Um, we don't have many treatments for them. There's there's some medications in the United States, but there's nothing uh, that we've developed to this point that is uh, SOPs or reverses Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or Huntington's. Uh, uh, 
Good Movie is uh, Awakening with Robert De Niro and um, Robin Williams. And I think he had Parkinson's. Uh, so it's probably a movie from the early 90s, but it, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting movie um, if you get a chance to watch that. But this is, uh, I want to just bring this up because I, I had a few cases in the last few weeks. And uh, I've always found that story of Phineas Gage uh, fascinating and interesting. And uh, this is something that I deal with on a, on a regular basis. It's not something that uh, Julie comes across too often, but this is more, again, working with neurology, primary care, um, neuropsychology, and uh, it, 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 this, is, this is a tough one. Um, and it's tough on families. And if you're a family member, definitely I would recommend or, or loved one or in proximity to somebody who may be struggling with one of these neurocognitive disorders, uh, to definitely get into therapy to help, you know, you process this and, uh, learn strategies and things that you can do. Um, because this does, this, there's, this, 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 this just gradual decline. So not to end on a, uh, morbid note, but, um, please continue to contact us. Um, you can get a hold of us through Psychology Today. You can email me directly at psychologyunplugged at outlook.com. And you can call me um, directly. I'm happy to, you know, again, we're not treating anybody, but if we can be a source of inspiration or information and uh, really enjoy talking to people who are going into the field of psychology and the enthusiasm that they have and um, you know, it's, like I said, it's helpful that Julie and I represent kind of the, the, the three main disciplines of mental health from diagnostics to cognitive therapy to uh, psychopharmacology. So um, that, that gives us a lot of, a lot of pleasure. Uh, if you're considering going into this field, I definitely recommend it. Uh, having the pleasure to talk to people around the world, there is a extreme paucity of providers in all areas and in, 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 in fields. Uh, even here in Massachusetts, um, you know, the hub of kind of healthcare in the world, uh, there's not enough providers. And from talking with people, it's like people are on wait lists for months uh, and people need people need help. So uh, there's no shame. I, I, I that was one of the really big reasons of, of 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 the etiology of this podcast was to take the shame away. And I think we're doing a better job of it as a society and and, and educating. We have a long way to go. Uh, I was considering doing you know uh, I'd like to get to a topic about you know, the use of like technology in the schools, because I think that is something I confront on a regular basis in, in, in testing adolescents and, um, the, you know, the, the, the failure of the school system here in the United States, uh, as it relates to bullying and just access to the world. But I will say that for another time and topic, um, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, uh, be well, and I will talk to you guys. Bye guys.